So, you know, if y'all want college football too, wear your mask, man. Wear your mask. For the love of God, this is not political. Just wear your freaking mask. You you t- you tweeted something the other day that it, it's the best way to describe it, and you were like, "You people wear seatbelts and never complain." You said and drive on the right side of the road. There you go, and you never complain. You, you, you're pretty much being told what to do. Same thing. It's for your safety. It's for your life. Which and you never complain. You've been doing it for years, but now, oh no, I don't want to wear a mask. Like it's the dumbest thing ever. And I, I've I've got to go ahead. Yeah, you, or you wear a shirt and shoes into a restaurant. There like, you go. There you go. <laughs> And I, I, I just got to the point. I don't care who it is. I don't care if we've been friends for years. I don't care. If you're not wearing a yeah. mask, you're just being selfish. And, I, and I, I don't mind telling you that to your face. You're just being selfish. Welcome to an ACC podcast. I'm Lauren Brownlow. And this week, excited to have on one of my buddies who I think can speak to a lot of topics that I really wanted to hit this week. Um, he's, he works for the Raleigh News and Observer. Um, I call you what, Jonas? Like a utility player? Is that is that an accurate way to describe you, or, or should you, should I describe more accurately, like what you cover for the news server? No, uh, utility player is pretty accurate. <laughs> I like I like to describe myself as a seat filler. Um, oh, right. yeah. yeah. So whenever someone needs me at a game, they can't make it, or they need an extra body, I'm the seat filler. So I like to, I like to call myself the in and no seat filler. You're like the sixth man, maybe, yeah. right? There you go. Okay. They bring me off the bench. But he is Jonas Pope. Jonas is one of the hardest, hardest working guys I know in this business. Um, he's maybe you and like Sean Crest, um, who's also been on this podcast, albeit a while ago. Um, <laughs> y'all have uh, y- y'all were never there was never a freelance opportunity that Jonas wouldn't take on his way to where he's at now. So he's a great follow on Twitter as well. Where give your Twitter handle in case people, yeah. What is my Twitter? It's uh, <laughs> I always got to look. Hold on, I have my phone right here. It's J.E. Pope, the fourth. That's what it is. Yeah, the Roman numeral four. I I V. Yeah, there yeah, you yeah, go. yeah. I made uh, listen. I made I made uh, was it a suffix? I made suffixes popular before people started putting them on the back of their jerseys. Now every now every kid who's a second or a third has them on the back of their jerseys. But I've been doing this for thirty nine years, so they they all follow my lead. Yeah, see, there you go. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Jonas does all kinds of cool stuff. He does um sort of a ride a riding in cars with recruits thing you still well i guess you're not doing that currently right because no because of covid no yeah Ugh. i know yeah we we've put our car series on hold too uh joe obvious and i because yeah um <laughs> our our panthers car talk is is no more for now which um, actually the, the panthers the drive through hot takes kind of inspired me to do riding with recruits so you know thank you guys for, for being trailblazers oh awesome i think we were inspired <laughs> by like carpool karaoke yeah, Which that's now, yep. whenever people see that, they're like, oh, will y'all do some karaoke? And we're like, no, that's not <laughs> what this is. Um, but yeah, Jonas says something like that. You've been doing an Instagram thing uh, weekly now, right, too? Yeah. Since we were all stuck in the house, um, I decided to start a weekly Instagram uh, show called Show Me Your Credentials, where I just talk to uh, some of my media buddies. I'm, de- I'm definitely going to get you on in the upcoming weeks. but just talking to some of my friends in the media about their experiences. Um, it's pretty cool. You know, deep down inside, I think I always wanted to be a talk show host. So it's my own personal talk show uh, live from my living room. I love that. That's <laughs> great. And yeah, any, of course, anytime. But um, I, I, I'm debating to start with like the serious stuff or the fun stuff. What do you think? Can I start with the fun stuff? No, let's, let's do the serious stuff first and then we'll, 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 we'll end it on a high note with the fun stuff. 
Okay, that's probably a good idea. Um, well, one reason I wanted to have you on is because you've covered NC Central before, um, and you are an alum of an HBCU. And there was a per- there's news that broke the other day. I think Jeff Goodman from Stadium broke this news that one ACC coach um, had brought up a proposal, a basketball coach that every ACC school on Martin Luther King Day would play an HBCU. That was all I heard of the proposal. I didn't know if they said at an HBCU or just play an HBCU. And I've seen a lot of people, and I totally understand this, and I agree with the sentiment, say, you know, they should play at an HBCU. Like, don't just play the HBCU. Um, and I'm, I'm curious, like, first, what you think of that proposal, and then how different it would be for them to play at an HBCU versus just playing an HBCU. Like, what the difference in impact would be? Well, first of all, who do you who do you think if you had to guess who do you think the coach was that made the proposal? I honestly don't know. I saw a lot of people <laughs> saying Jeff Capel, and I didn't think that was necessarily. I mean, I could see him doing that, but I don't. I don't think it's fair to just assume that. Yeah. Um. I. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> honestly, you know, it, I, 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 it could have been, it might have been Coach K, but I don't think so. It could have been Roy, but I kind of, I don't know. If I, if I had to guess, I would I would think it was one of those three just because of their relationship with Lavelle. Um, yeah, it would be between Capel K and 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 Roy, right. maybe even Keats, maybe even Keats. But I I would narrow it down to those four. Um, but getting into your question, um, I, I think it would be great. Uh, now, there, logistically, there would have to be some things that have to move around because the MEAC schools, um, you know, the, the uh, Centrals and the ANT, well used to be ANTs, the Central, the Norfolk States, and those schools, they play conference games on Mondays. So they would have to move some things around. But I think they would be willing to accommodate if it meant more exposure, especially if it meant getting those um, getting those schools to come on campus. I think that would be something that the MEAC would definitely look into because it, it would bring crazy exposure, bring revenue, and just it would be a unique opportunity for them to host some of these big-time programs. So. Hey, yeah, I'm definitely for it, and I hope it. I hope it actually comes to light. And I think the only way to do it, the right way to do it, if we're going to honor HBCUs on mm-hmm. on MLK's birthday, is to do it on those campuses, on those HBCU campuses. I mean, Martin Luther King went to an HBCU, so why would you <laughs> why would you honor yeah. these programs by going to Duke or going to going to the Ding Dong? No, I mean, Carolina, they'll host. You know, Carolina State and Duke have all hosted. HBCUs and, and non-conference games. They do it like almost every year. So that's, that's, that's no big thing. That's not unique. But if you want to really put a twist on this thing and, and make it something unique, you got to bring it to, you got to bring it to a HBCU campus. You got to come to Central. You got to come to A&T. You got to go to Norfolk State. You got to go to South Carolina State because that that's a, hey, I bet the players will love it. I bet the players from UNC, oh, yeah. Duke State, Carolina will love it. And I, I just think, I mean, as far as revenue, just imagine those ticket sales because people will be lined up around the block, camped out. Not maybe not camped out, but they would definitely be. They would, those just would definitely sell out, no, no doubt about it. I mean, alumni would probably come from all over just for a chance to see Coach K uh, go head to head with uh, Lavelle, for example, and McDougal. I mean, just think about that for a second. That the secret game that happened years ago, the so-called secret secret game between Central and Duke. Just imagine years later playing those two in a public game. At NCCU, I mean, I don't think I've ever heard of a secret game. You never heard of a secret game? I don't think so. Wow! So years ago, I don't have the exact date, but uh, 
John McClendon, who used to be the legendary Hall of Fame coach at, at North Carolina Central, he had a group of players who played Duke, you know, obviously Duke and Central right there in the same town. But they played a secret game. I actually have the book in the trunk of my car. I still haven't read it yet. But they played a secret game back in the day. And, you know, this was back during segregation. So there was, that was, you know, HBCUs weren't playing like the Dukes and the Carolinas like that. So they got together somewhere and played a game. And it's, and it's been called a secret game. So, yeah. Just imagine the history and all the, everything that goes with that game. But those two teams coming together, playing publicly, but playing at NCCU, that would be bananas. I, you know, this the cynic in me, and I'm not saying this to take a shot at Coach K at all or take a shot at Duke because I understand why they do this. Um, I, I wonder if he would make an exception for Lavelle. But, like, Duke doesn't – they don't schedule – non-conference home at homes really they just yeah. don't do it they don't play on the road and again i'm not taking a shot <laughs> this isn't me saying duke's afraid or anything like that i'm just saying like that's just not a thing they do they'll play a neutral side i wonder if maybe they would even do you think even a neutral side game would be an improvement over just playing at duke or whatever it is yeah i guess that would be me and halfway literally yeah, literally um, <laughs> literally but i mean if you're if you're duke and central and you're gonna play yeah. Where are you going to play neutral site? You're going, you're going, you're going to leave yeah. Durham to play a neutral site game in Raleigh? Right. Like that makes yeah. oh, Greensboro. That makes no sense. Like, could you imagine it? Like, what's going with everything that's going on in the world right now? Could you imagine the backlash that Coach K would face if he was like, it would be well, bad. "We're not, we're not going to play Central over there. They can come over here, but we're not going over there." Oh my God! Yeah. There would be protests and marches in Durham. It would be, it would go crazy over there. And I know people have been calling for Duke to play Central. Um, more anyways because they have in basketball because they have that connection and it's not i mean they've played they haven't they played or am i i know carolina's played them i know that state played them recently um has has they played them recently um i mean i not recently not sure. i feel yeah. like i feel like when i could be wrong I, I gotta check this out i feel like when central was transitioning to d1 they may have played uh-huh. duke early on in duke but i know in the last i've been i've been in raleigh since 2000 and 14. I know Carolina played them in 14, 15. Uh-huh. And obviously, yeah. State played them in 13, which which is why Lavelle can't get an ACC school on a schedule like that now because he beat State. But I don't know if Duke <laughs> has played them. But uh, yeah, I mean, just and this this let's just eliminate Central and 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 yeah. and A and T. I mean, and, and Duke for a second. Just imagine like A and T hosting Wake Forest. Yeah, or, or State, right? Or what's the Salem State? Or what's Salem State yeah. hosting Wake Forest? Or imagine Norfolk State hosting Virginia Tech. Or yeah, actually Norfolk State's uh, coach recently. I was reading about this a little bit, and he was saying what a big deal it would be to have Virginia come there and just you know they would fill it up, and it would just be this big event and a big deal. And and so yeah, it's not just a local thing. You're right. It's it's something that you know there's other HBCUs around the country that would similarly benefit from such a thing. I don't know that every ACC school. Well, I guess they probably would have a match in there. Yeah, because you can do yeah. you can do Florida State and FAMU. They're right across. The, they're literally across the street from each other. You can yeah. do Miami and Bethune Cookman. Um, oh, yeah. You can do Cheney and Pitt. Uh, you can yeah. do some. I, I'm I'm running out of ACC schools on top of my head now. I don't know who you play Boston like, College against. That's that. That would be a tricky one. Ooh, yeah, <laughs> that would be tricky. Say, like, and then I was like thinking Indiana. I didn't know of any off the top of my head from in Indiana. But I mean, um, but, but just like what it would do for these, like the energy it would bring to campus. Obviously, it'll be a TV game. I mean, ESPN, somebody would come on ACC Network, like somebody would come on campus 
to film these games. So just about the revenue from the, from the ads and everything that, that would go towards these campuses, it will be such a tremendous boost. And then just the experience, like there is, listen, in, in my six years in the area, I've covered bowl games. I've covered ACC tournaments. I've covered games in the Ding Dong, Cameron, Reynolds, everywhere. There is nothing like covering a packed game at McDougal McClendon Arena on the campus of North Carolina Central. Nothing like it. So yeah. I can, the atmosphere is just second to none. And it's, it's, it's nothing you can compare it to. And so I can just imagine like those those kids, they get hyped anyway. If it's a TV game, they're packed. They're in, they're in their seats early. They have their chance. They dance. Could you imagine if Carolina or Duke came into McDen- McClendon, McDougal, just the oh atmosphere? Like I know and I know Carolina's gone on the road. They opened up the building at Elon. They've gone to UNC Wilmington. They yeah, have not so played they- on yeah, they have not played on the road like an environment like they would face at McDougal McClendon Arena. No, not <laughs> at all. And it's 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 really interesting too, because it's like you know, the other and I know I know I don't want to just keep harping on Central, but it's it's something too. It's an interesting dynamic here locally where Lavelle has a relationship with a lot of players in this area like he always has yeah. at least you know and so and and the coaches all really love and respect him as well they're friendly with him and and they you know so it's like it's not just doing this for the sake of doing something for you know for like a, a, a an HBCU in the area there's an added dimension to it in the fact that they know Lavelle really well okay so I did find Central and Duke's history because I wanted to see this um, Duke's played Central once and Lavelle was not there yet. It was uh, 2007 at home. Okay. okay. Um, were they D1? They weren't D1 yet in 2007, were they? No. No, I didn't think so. Okay. Um, but that's the only time they've ever played. Um, they've actually played A&T eight times. Um, oh, but wow. they, haven't played, they haven't played them since 2002, though. And I, I know um, at one point Duke was always playing the CIAA champion. That would be like an exhibition yeah. game. I can't remember if they still do that or not. So I'm thinking I think like, they well, the D2 champ now. Yeah, okay, um, yeah. They switched it up to the yeah. D2 champ. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, that's, that's their series history. They played once in 2007 and that's, and that's it. So, I mean, look, it's, it, I know Kay loves Lavelle. Everybody around here loves Lavelle. He's, you know, great dude. And so it, it's, it, I think it would be great. I, and and I, I hate, I'm not just trying to put this on Duke. It's not like, I mean, Carolina could go play at A&T, you know, yep. um, or, or, you know, they could play Shaw or something like that. Well, State could play Shaw. Right, I'm like, oh, I'm like matching everybody up. It's like they the ACC, play, the ACC HBCU challenge, like the ACC Big Ten challenge. I'm trying to like <laughs> come up with the best matchups, but yeah, I'm I'm with you. I I, I mean, I don't know how the money would work because I know some of these are like quote unquote buy games, right? And so like they get a pretty good payday for going to play at a school. I, I'm sure there's a way though to ensure that they would still get that kind of payday and be able to host a game, right? I, or maybe maybe they would make more money the, the, when they host the game. I don't know how the financials of that would work exactly. I feel I feel pretty confident saying that the ACC could find a way to cut a check for these schools, even if the ACC schools had to go on the road. Like, yeah. <laughs> I think they can work it out. I, I, I think they realize if you why they, why, why they are doing this and that these schools are the ones who need the help and these schools are the ones who can really benefit from it. So I, I think they can find a way to work out the money and make sure that it happens on the campus of these HBCUs. If you really want, if you really, if you're honoring Martin Luther King, an HBCU grad, uh, if you really want that full experience, you can't play this at the Ding Dong. You can't play this at Cameron. You can't play it at, at, at uh, Lawrence Joel. You have, you have to go 
onto these campuses and play it there. That's, that's the only way, in my opinion, that makes this work. But otherwise, you're just playing uh, these same type of exhibition games that you get every year when state hosts Maryland Eastern Shore or Carolina hosts Winston-Salem State. It's the same deal. No, no, no. You got to switch it up. In, in this day and age, definitely what's going on in the, in the world now. Let, let's switch it up. Let's not be scared to go on these campuses and play these games. Yeah, don't worry. Don't worry about road games, y'all. Like, I don't think I don't think the NCAA. And by the way, let's point out that even the year that state lost to Central, like they made the tournament. Right. So it did not ruin anything for them. Central ended up being, you know, it was a good thing for them. And if you know what, if, if you end up taking a bad loss, quote unquote, well, maybe you should have played better. There so. you go. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it is a weird time, time, I think, maybe for both both sides of the equation. I guess I was even seeing some you know, people saying, hey, look, you know, not only are ACC schools in the middle of their conference schedule, but so are HBCU. So that's probably even more reason not to ask the HBCU to go on the road and play this game in the middle of, you know, when their conference plays getting ramped up too. Yep, definitely. Yeah. I, just, I just don't think you, you should ask them to go on the road at all. I, I mean, they go on the road enough. I think yep. we've all seen these stories oh, about how they travel from November to January. And then I, I just think you can reward them a little bit by letting them play a big time home game in January. And, and for those who don't know, and I'm sure you can speak to this more, I mean, HBCUs face the kinds of financial challenges and just challenges of running their athletics departments that, that you know, the Power 5 schools and even some of the, you know, almost Power 5 conferences can't even imagine. And, and um, you know, they're the ones that always end up getting the APR punishments because they don't have the resources to kind of do the things that the other schools are able to do with some of their athletes and they have to, you know, they have transfers, they have JUCO, stuff like that. I've heard uh, Dr. Um, uh, Wicker McCree, who's Central's um, president. President, right? No, she's the uh, athletic oh, director. PAD, not the president, please. Yeah, she, but she was talking about that, duh, because she's talking about athletics. But she was talking about that, like, you know, in that, you know, there, there's a lot of unique challenges that they face and, and, and resources are not as easily, you know, available to them and they have to make a lot of decisions financially especially for you know basketball and football that you know other schools just don't have to make and, and they, they do it without complaining but at the same time like you know this is a perfect opportunity with the moment in time that we're in for them to sort of step up and, and do the right thing i i don't know what's going to happen um but we'll see <laughs> i'm guessing whatever coaches meeting they have is going to be virtual at this point so <laughs> so that uh, meeting that meeting is supposed to happen this week or next week amongst the coaches I'm not sure. Yeah, it's it's usually around this time, so okay. I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, because I think they usually go down. I guess it's when the ACC meeting usually is, right? Because they yeah, usually okay. go down to like Amelia Island, and obviously that that's not happening. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's it's something where they, you know, this is something that they could really use the exposure and just the experience, like you said. I mean, it, 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 I I want I am dying to cover one of these. I'm dying to go to Central and cover that. Like, have you ever been to a basketball game in Central? I have not been to a, a basketball. I've okay. been to the pro am a bunch. Okay, but not. Okay. Yeah, I've, I've the pro am used to be a thing around here. Where oh yeah, I remember. College, just for people who don't know, yeah. I know you do. But <laughs> college alums and as you know it's a pretty rich history around here so like nba guys some not nba guys pj tucker used to just dominate when i was watching <laughs> pj tucker would go crazy at that thing and then guys who were incoming freshmen as well um yep. and that was a really cool thing because it was like your first time to see those guys play yeah the um, first time i ever saw Kyrie Irvin play was at the pro-am oh wow yeah yep. and rashid wallace yep um 
I remember watching him one time just not run back to the other end of the court for like an extended sequence and just yep. stay on the offensive end. I was like, this is wonderful. I love Rekhi Wallace so much. Um, but it was just a really cool thing to see this mix of guys that play that played before, some that were in the NBA, some that weren't, and then guys that were still in school and then guys that were coming into school. And it was, you know, it was exciting. It was like your first time to see them play. Sometimes there were guys that had made physical transformations in the offseason that you hadn't seen in a while. It was a really cool thing. I wish it were still a thing. Um, it's not though. Sadly. Well, you know why they, you know why they had, they couldn't do it at Central anymore, right? No. Uh, I asked Lavelle about this a couple of years ago. It was, it was, it was like, because it, he was hosting it on his campus, the NCAA thought it was like a recruiting, giving him like a recruiting advantage. Cause like, <laughs> yeah. So he had to stop doing it. No, at, at one point they moved it to like the Durham school of the arts. and It, it was never the same, but yeah, they, he had to move it off campus because as a, as a coach, um, you know, if he had a high school like kid playing, what'd you say? But like he didn't hold the event. True, but it was on his campus, and, and there were some high school kids playing in it. Oh, like people that weren't already signed with the school, right? Like some like rising seniors in high school or something oh. like that were, were playing in there. So he had to take it off campus. I somehow didn't remember that. I only, I seemingly only remembered like the guys that were already committed playing in that. But yeah. okay. Well, of course <sighs> you're going to remember the guys who are already committed, as opposed to some high school kid who can barely get off the bench because he's playing behind Rasheed Wallace and PJ Tucker. <laughs> but yeah, there were guys on the bench or got some some playing time who were still like high school kids. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Jeez. Well, that stinks because it was super fun and it was a great way like in the summer and like July and June and July to like get out there and get a peek at guys that you were going to be seeing on campus. And, yep. But yeah, I've been for that and but not, but not for a game yet. And I would love to do that. And I've been dying to find an excuse or a reason to do it anyways. And so like, yes, please play over there so that I can do that. Um, I had an off weekend one time where I think I almost covered like a central A and T game, but something came up family wise and I couldn't do it. But I mean, it, but that was football, not basketball. Well, um, if, you, if you're going to cover anything at Central, it's got to be Central A and T. That's that's the best. That's the best crowd, yeah. regardless. Yeah, that's that's the way to do it. I feel it's weird. That, is it weird that I feel like a weird like because I'm from Greensboro and you know uh, that I'm like I have I feel like I have Aggie pride. Is that weird? Even, <laughs> like, no. That's not weird at all. Are you are you disappointed that they canceled uh, Jiho for this year? I mean, I get it, but <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's we're all it's and that that actually kind of would transition us a little bit into uh, the other serious topic. Or uh, so people are back on campus to varying degrees. Uh, football players right now, I think mostly. I don't think anybody anybody basketball back yet. I'm not sure about that, but I don't think so. I think some of them are back on campus in a, in a in an unofficial yeah. capacity. Yeah, yeah, and I, and I think Texas now is up to thirteen cases um, for football. Yep, that's a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot. <laughs> and I actually, I I expressed annoyance about this um, because, like, a a week or so ago, maybe two now, uh, time is you know very relative at this moment, but. It, I feel like it was Alabama. They had this story about like they had five guys test positive, but before they tested positive, it was revealed that they had done a student. It was a student led workout, Mm -hmm. but before they had gotten the results back. And I was like, guys, what, what are we doing here? Like you should let, make sure they test positive before they do anything. Right. I don't, or test positive or negative. Obviously you make sure they test negative before they do anything. But 
I just, it's like if a program like Alabama with all the resources that they have and all the time they've had to like consider this and get all the expert advice and opinion that they can, if they're doing that, I just, I I don't know, man. And I've seen people say like, oh, I don't know, maybe we won't have a college football season. I don't know. I don't know what to think because it seems like they're all just sort of going full speed ahead, right? It does. And and I think I got, we got a note um, from one of our editors last week and it was like, hey, it looks like the season's going to go on. I don't know where they got that from, but yeah, I mean, the kids are back on campus. They're, they're doing workouts and it's like it's full steam ahead. I don't know what it's going to look like, but the NCAA and these institutions looks like it's going to be business as usual. I mean, we even had an email last week that the, the ACC media day is going to be virtual next month. So, I mean, you're going to have media day. Well, I'm, I'm somehow they were the last holdout. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it seems like they're going to try to, to do something. I don't know if that's going to mean like no conference game and just conference only or, or a, a different kind of schedule, but yeah, people are back on campus. These kids are working out, and it, it, it looks like business as usual for most schools. Yeah, I don't know what everybody's doing in terms of a waiver. I, I don't remember seeing any waivers in the Carolina reopening plan that we got. We got a pretty detailed email about that or whatever. And I don't. I remember actually reading Carolina's reopening plan though, and just being like, okay, that makes some sense. Like. They, I, I think they were having athletes test before they left. And right. then again, once they got on campus, but they were supposed to stay quarantined before they got their results back, right. which I was like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And it seems like so far they've got it, their, their situation's gone pretty well. I mean, we only know what they're, what we hear, but, um, you know, I don't understand why every school isn't just taking the ultimate precautions. Um, I, I, I just don't know like what they're trying to get out of that like what shortcut they're trying to take or I, I don't know where it's coming from for them to just not be super cautious. The schools that aren't, I, I don't get it. I really don't. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a real head scratcher. And I know um, I talked to a parent of an NC state athlete and, and they said that they did test their players um, once they got back. And she told me that her son said that they haven't heard about anybody with a positive test. So I guess, I guess that's a good sign um, moving forward. That no one's tested. I mean, obviously, it's a good sign that no one's yeah. tested positive for it. But I, I, I still would be very cautious about being around these big groups. You don't know. So if, if everybody's coming back to campus, you don't know where this kid has been. He could have. He can be from wherever. You don't. Know, you don't know who he's been around. Who's been around somebody who didn't wear a mask who may have had it. And he's bringing it back to your campus. That's that's the scary part to me. Yeah. And that's why I would definitely make them get tested. Like, I think they were even saying some people were saying there was a doctor supervisor. I may be mixing up my reopening plans and maybe Carolina didn't do that. But because I know the PGA was making their guys do that. Like they would have a a doc, like they would have to get like a doctor to sign off on the fact that they like supervise this test or whatever. Um, And then they would get they would test before they left and then they would test when they got there. Um, And that made a lot of sense to me. I was like, yeah, you should you should do that because. You don't want them to come, like you said, you don't know where everybody's been. You don't want them to come back on campus and, um, you know, bring unknowingly, obviously bring it in because um, then you're kind of in a bad situation. But um, it's, you mentioned you talked to parents. Are you, what, what's, are you hearing, what's kind of the reaction that you're hearing? Like, are people excited to get back or is there a lot of, you know, is there anxiety or are, are, are players worried? I mean, they're saying all the right things publicly, of course, but is there concern in terms of what they're dealing with right now? Well, the parent I talked to said she felt like her son and the rest of the team was, were being treated like guinea pigs just to kind of see how things would happen. 
Um, and I, I get that as a parent. I, I understand that. So the parents are concerned, but you know, kids, college athletes, they think they're invincible. So they're, they're, they're excited to get back to some sort of normalcy. But yeah, there's, there's obviously some concern amongst the parents. And I'm sure, I'm sure the schools are kind of, kind of crossing their fingers and kind of making sure everything goes well. Cause if this goes bad, man, just imagine like the, the backlash, if this thing goes bad, like one like, or two what kids. If someone dies? Yeah. I, I didn't want to say it, but yeah. Like imagine <laughs> something like that happens. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and, and what, and my other thing is like, what happens if like, you know, half a team gets COVID in the middle of the season. Right. Then, I mean, I don't know that that, but you don't know, like then what? You don't know. You're right. That's the part you can't. We keep saying it's like you don't know. That's and, and that's the scary part because you the don't other, know. Yeah. And the other thing that would disturb me if I were like a player or a parent of a player is like it doesn't seem to be a consistent protocol across the board. Right. You know, it, it, there's like, not there's not like a like a NCAA type rules like school by school basis. Am I, am I, is that what you're saying? Yeah. Like yeah. there's no national protocol. So if you're playing somebody out of conference, you don't know like what they've actually done with their players and the kind of precautions they're taking. It just seems to be like on a school to school basis to decide it. Yeah, I don't that, know. That's tricky. That, that's, that, the whole thing is tricky. I, I don't know. I mean, I get it. But people want their football. It's easy for me to say, I don't, I don't, I don't see a reason to rush back, but those schools, I guess they need that revenue, but like what revenue would they get? If they're not gonna have fans in the stands or, or cut the fans in half, but well, the TV, man, TV. True. The, true. That that alone, I mean, and that's that I think is why a lot of schools are willing to do that because the TV revenue part takes up a bigger chunk of their budget than True. than the fan part. Even as as, but I mean, I'm even I got so many questions too because people are like, how many people are going to be allowed? And like, what what's it going to look like? And I'm like, well, I mean, what do you do if you're going to do it based on your donors? Are you going to have them in their little luxury suites together? Like, <laughs> right. Are, are even gonna, even yeah. how much media how much media would be allowed in the press box we had to sit like a chair in between everybody yeah and i mean that's something too i don't at least right at least a chair God. Yeah. no more buffets oh it's man those i hadn't thought about that that's heartbreaking <laughs> it, it is and it isn't right because like i love the buffet too right but at the same time like we all know you, you've been around our press boxes enough to know our colleagues are gross True. So. That is accurate. Pretty accurate. Yes. Very, very accurate. Like, I don't mind, like, you know, after somebody's touched five of the hot dog buns, you know, I'd rather just get a box hot dog bun <laughs> that I know one person with gloves has touched. That's, yeah. that's okay by me. But yeah, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. We have no idea. And I guess there's a, an end date in July at some point that they're going to sort of look at this and say, okay, where are we right now? Um, so. You know, if y'all want college football too, wear your mask, man. There you wear go. your mask. That's For the it. love of God, this is not political. Just wear your freaking mask. You you t- you tweeted something the other day that it's the best way to describe it, and you were like, "You people wear seatbelts and never complain." You said and drive on the right side of the road. There you go, and you never complain. You, you, you're pretty much being told what to do. Same thing. It's for your safety. It's for your life. Which and you never complain. You've been doing it for years, but now, oh no, I don't want to wear a mask. Like it's the dumbest thing ever. And I've I've gone to. Go ahead. Yeah, you, or you wear a shirt and shoes into a restaurant. There like, you go. There you go. And I, I, I just got to the point. I don't care who it is. I don't care if we've been friends for years. I don't care if you're not wearing a yeah. mask. You're just being selfish. And, I, and I, I don't mind telling you that to your face. You're just being selfish. Yes, and and it's so, hmm, it's annoying too because people are like, "You sports media people love this." We don't because the thing is, we understand that if there's no college football this year, 
um, or college basketball for that matter, like our jobs are on the line, man. Like we will likely lose our jobs or get furloughed, or this would have really bad consequences for all of us. Like we, we would love there to be football. We just don't, you know, we cover these guys. We, we feel a little icky about the prospect of like, like, like the mom you talked to or whatever, like the parent you talked to, you didn't say mom, I don't think, but you know, like sending them out there to be guinea pigs when maybe some schools aren't crossing, you know, all their T's and dotting all their I's here. Listen, <sighs> I've covered about enough COVID related stories and protests. I've reached my quota. I'm ready to get back to a, to, to some sports. So no, don't, don't say you sports people. I mean, you sports people love this. No, no, no. I want to get back to normal too, as much as the next guy, but I want to do it the right way. Yeah, it's interesting. Somebody, I do a mailbag for WRALsportsfan.com every week, and somebody asked me this week if I would cover, um, if I would cover the bubble in Orlando. And I, at first, my first instinct was no, but then there is this part of us, I think, as journalists, right? And I felt this way during the ACC tournament on the day that it shut down, of like you want to be there for something that potentially is like a historic moment, right? You know, yeah. and, and I think I would kind of want to be there if I could make it happen in a way that like I wouldn't not get to see my kid for three months. I think, I think we all that last day of the ACC tournament, I think we were all excited to cover a game with no fans in the stands. Yes, and I was we, super excited. Yeah, we wanted to, we wanted to see what that was like. Although I did. T- I did tell people and it's not inaccurate that the day before we had covered um, or some of us had been there for a Clemson Miami game earlier in the day that felt the same way. True. Um, I, yes, I covered that game. I was, yes, uh, true. Yes, I, I, I agree. Yeah, you can vouch for that. It was weird because we could hear everything everybody was saying. And yeah. it was a very surreal experience of like, wow, no one's here. <laughs> so this must be what it'll be like. Um, well, you, you mentioned that you had covered the protests. And, and um, I wanted to also get uh, to a piece that you and John Alexander did for the News and Observer. And I know you've been talking to players parents and you were talking to players parents about um just some of their experiences as being parents of of black athletes and black children and i wondered if you could just sort of talk about that piece and what you learned and 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 what kind of insights they had to share um yes i i want to say first of all that that was 100 percent jonathan's idea that was that was his baby and he just asked me to, to join which i really appreciate i'm glad he did but basically what we did, we um, we got together with some parents of some student athletes. We talked to uh, the parents of two Carolina basketball players. We talked to a parent of a NC State football player. We talked to the parent of two, uh, not local athletes, but Danny Peoples, was a, is a NC, he's an NC State Hall of Famer. So we talked to him. He's, both his kids play college sports. And we talked to Sean Walker, the, the basketball coach of uh, Elizabeth City State University. His son plays college basketball. And we talked to Reggie Perkins, who his son Jordan plays basketball at North Carolina Central. Um, obviously, all these parents and their and their student athletes are, are African-American. And we just wanted to know, A, their reaction to the George Floyd video and the following protests, and just B, just raising uh, African-American sons and daughters in, in this day and time and what's going on. Um, very open conversation. They, they shared a lot with us. I learned a lot, really enjoyed it. Um, they talked about just their reactions from seeing the video and, and the fear they felt for their sons and daughters. Um, they talked about just having those conversations with their children about how to react when, when the police pull you over or if the police get around or just how to react and move around these campuses. Cause these, these guys and gals, 
go to these big campuses and, and obviously they're the minority. And, mm-hmm. you know, coming from a small town or even coming from a major town, you go to these campuses and you're the minority. But at the same time, if you're an athlete, you're the center of attention. Everybody knows your face and your name, but they may not know you personally, but they know you. So we just kind of talk to them about how they maneuver and, you know, how to how to carry themselves. And just some some of the responses were great. The parents were very open. They didn't they didn't hold back. Um, I don't you know. My, my favorite part was I asked all of the parents, like, you know, everybody knows your kid when they're scoring touchdowns or when they're scoring baskets and they love them and they cheer for them. But is that love genuine when they take that jersey off? And that that response from those parents was just, oh, my God, it was the best. So we talked to Garrison Brooks' mom and Leaky Black's mom. And Garrison's mom, she she didn't hold back. And she told she said she told Garrison, like, you know. I can you, see where he gets it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so she was like, when you, when you take that jersey off, you take that 15 off, you know, these alum and these students and these Carolina fans, they love you with that jersey on. But the minute you take that jersey off and you walk across the street from the Ding Dome, if a cop stops you, he doesn't care if you're he doesn't care that Roy Williams is your coach. All they see is a is a six foot nine black man, you know, maybe in the wrong way in the right. So that's that's what he she has to she she said he has to realize that at the end of the day, student athlete or not, you know, you could be on the posters, you can be on the billboards, you are still an African American male uh in this country. And that that just hit home because everybody loves these kids, regardless, you know, when they're scoring baskets and when things are going well. But they still got to go home and, and face the same realities that some of us have to face. And just for those parents to open up and talk about that, it was re- it was real eye opening and just a great overall conversation. I, I encourage everyone to get a chance when they get a chance to check it out. Again, that was Jonathan's baby. It was his idea. I'm just glad he asked me to be a part of it. No, it, it was it was awesome. And it was such a good idea because I think it's so important um, to talk to some of those parents and see, you know, what they've had to teach their kids because it's not the same types of things. Sometimes that, you know, well, a lot of times really that white parents have had to teach their children. It's just not. And, uh, you know, you're also a parent. And I'm sure you've had to have similar conversations with your own son. Yeah, my son, my nephew. I mean, yeah, we talk about with the parents. We talk about appearance, you know, Leaky Black. He has like the twist in his hair and, 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 and the big hair. And we've all talked to Leaky. He's like one of the best kids ever. Yeah. But somebody somebody might see him and just lay eyes on him and see that six foot seven kid with twists and dreads, if he's not wearing that jersey, they don't know who he is. They might just label him as a thug or, or knucklehead. And I've had that same conversation with my son and my nephew. Like my nephew has dreads. My son has hair similar to Leaky. But we just talked to them about appearance and how they how they carry themselves and just how they interact and react and act in certain situations. But yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's a conversation that everybody doesn't have to have with their children or with their nephews or family members. We, we just don't have that luxury. We have to have that talk with our kids and our family members. Yeah, it was it was interesting too. Nate James was on the sports shop here locally recently, a Duke's associate head coach, and he was talking about um, how they have police come to speak to the team um, at times, and just the number of things that I I never think about, right? Of like having like have have your registration in a place where you can immediately access it. Right. I don't think I even know where my registration is. Oh, wow. you know? right. <laughs> I mean, it's in my car. I just don't. I don't know exactly where. That's probably I probably should fix that anyway. But I, I, I'll take it a step further. Uh, Sean Walker, he said he told his son. Well, he did this for his son. He actually uh, made a photocopy of his license and just told him to keep that on your dashboard. That way, you don't have to reach in your pocket or reach in your wallet mm-hmm. to get your to get your ID. I was like, that is crazy that you even have to go take those steps. But I mean, right. I get it. Man. I, I get it. I one hundred percent get it. 
And another thing Nate talked about that the police officers were saying and, and that they reiterate to the guys is like, you know, don't be, you know, you can be annoyed and feel like you got pulled over for no reason or for a bad reason. And, and you have a very human reaction of being angry. Right. Um, but you have to keep that inside because then that elevates your perceived threat level. And that was crazy, too, because it's like you, you can't even have a human moment of being like, what's going on right now? And and you have to try to somehow stay calm, knowing that it's like a very fraught situation. Yeah, it's, um, it's crazy. The things like the older I get and obviously the more of the way things are happening in the world, like the little things I think about, like, for example, um, I stay across the street from the elementary school and they had this big open playground, like out front of school. So I wanted to go over this morning and run and do some sprints. So I put my book bag on my bike to have my, my water, my headphones, everything. I rode my bike over there and I was like, you know, somebody could stop me. If a cop saw me with this black book bag on, I'm wearing a hood. I could be in some serious trouble. If I just tried to like, Hey, reach my book bag and get my ID, you know, like just, just little things like that. I, I'm, I, I, I'm more, aware of like as i maneuver throughout the day yeah it's god it's crazy and i i'm curious though like it's interesting we've seen a lot of coaches releasing statements and things like that and to me i've been really fascinated especially with like what went on with mike gundy and even what we've the, the sort of process we've seen like Dabo Swinney go through in the past week or so um we had matt Connolly on last week who covers Clemson and he was talking about, you know, Dabo taking some missteps at times. But then we saw Dabo on Saturday, the day after I talked to Matt, like actually saying, you know, the words police brutality and black lives matter. And it's like, you know, he's been listening and hearing his players. I mean, we saw Will Muschamp who didn't know when election day was two years ago at a black lives matter March. (laughs) (laughs) But then you see stuff like with what happened with Mike Gundy. And, and I wonder, I mean, I, I feel like on some level the players are aware, right. That, to varying degrees that the coaches they play for, you know, may not have I'm trying to think of how to say this. Um, <laughs> may not have interests that align with theirs politically, I guess. Is that I, I don't I'm not trying to make racism a political issue, so please don't get me wrong. But I'm saying like do do you I, can you think no, of a less funky way to say that? <laughs> I cannot, but I, I, I know exactly what you're saying. And you know, I had a speaking of show me your credentials, I had Shannon Penn on uh this week. And yeah, that's my guy, Mike and Brian, ECSU. Um, so Shannon and I were just talking about these players have a voice now and they got to use it. I mean, whether if it makes the coach uncomfortable, so what? This is this is the time now to, to use that power and that voice and those voices they have to kind of check a coach or, or not check a coach. That sounds so disrespectful. But to to have these conversations with their coaches and, hey, this was disrespectful. This was wrong. You have to look in your locker room, read the room. And just kind of like get on the same page. You want me to keep playing for the university or keep producing on the field for you or keep, you know, working out. Like the kid from Oklahoma State said, like he didn't want to work out anymore until he talked to Gundy. But this is a perfect time for these kids to use their platform and their voices, not just with fans or fellow students, but with their coaches and people in the locker room as well. Yeah. And I mean, I think the the star players doing it like Chubba Hubbard. um, I think it's Chubba or is it Chuba? I hope it's Chubba because that's better. Yeah, just say um, it. Just say it with confidence. You say it wrong, who's gonna know? Just say it with confidence. <laughs> like for him to do that as like a Heisman Trophy contender, right? You know, it carries more weight for Marvin Wilson to do it at Florida State. It carries more weight for even yep. like Deshaun Watson to speak out against renaming buildings, even though he's not at Clemson anymore. That carries a ton of weight. And I think you know you can have regular guys on the team do it, but to have a guy that's super important to your team step up and do it, it, it really frees up a lot of guys too that aren't that guy. Right. sort of join in with him and, and have solidarity. Um, 
And, you know, nobody can say, well, this guy, you know, this guy isn't very good. So who cares? You can't say that when it's somebody that important to your team. So, um, it, it, but it still takes a lot of bravery. I mean, I accidentally dove into Chubba's mentions the other day and I was like, good Lord. Oh um, God. Never, never read the comments. I know. I, I, <laughs> you know how often I've been breaking that rule lately? It's, it's not good. I should not, um, I should know better, but. Yeah. And I think it is interesting. It's also sort of a transactional relationship, right? And I think athletes have always known that to some degree, like, you know, coach K has whatever. I mean, I'm not saying that this is, I'm not trying to make it expressly political, but if you're, if you don't think being a Republican is good, right. And you know, coach K is Republican. Um, I, I know he doesn't care for the current president, but whatever. If you know he's a Republican and you feel like that is something that you don't like or whatever, like you still know going to play at Duke is going to get you NBA, you know, it's going to get you right, right where you want to be in terms of the NBA. So, right. and I, I, I'm not trying to use that to like that. I feel like I've done some Duke bashing on the podcast that I didn't intend to do. I'm not trying to do that. I'm just saying like, you know, wh- whoever it is. And even with Mike Gundy, Mike Gundy, especially like he, he has never made a secret of his politics. Right. Uh, <laughs> so, Mike Leach, you know, but you know that if you play offense for them, especially you're going to put up some numbers and you're probably going to get in the NFL. So, you know, it, it's sort of a transactional relationship in this way. But I think players are pushing back just to say, like, all right, you know, we, we know who y'all are deep down, but you don't you also don't have to, like, embarrass us in public. You exactly. Know? <laughs> yeah. You know, it's funny. Uh, Brendan and I, you know, Brendan, we had a conversation maybe last week about schools you will let your child go play for knowing what these schools and some of these countries stand for. So it's interesting that you just mentioned it. He and I just had a conversation uh, last week. Oh, oh, you had that conversation. Oh, okay. You had that conversation last week. Got it. Yeah, it, it is. It's an interesting dilemma, right? Cause I mean, it, at the end of the day, you want to get on a platform where you're going to be seen by the most eyeballs and get the most, you, you want to move on to the next level. It's the yep. same reason you pick any college as, yep. as a normal person. Like you don't look into that college and say like, you know, oh, well, what is, what's their stance on whatever issue? You you go there because it's going to give you the best opportunity for professional success. And I mean, I'm sure I, I'm guessing recruits do though, like talk to each other and figure out like, okay, what is this coach like? What is the culture like there, et cetera, right? I, I would I would assume so, yeah, especially in this day and age. Yeah. So I mean, you know, like for instance, you like Iowa. What what you're hearing coming out of there, it's like, oof, you know. <laughs> yeah. But you can also understand that as a transactional relationship a little bit with some of the black black student athletes there that they they look at that and say, well, you know, I, I guess I'll put up with this because they pro- some of them probably assume a lot of schools are like that. And that's probably true to a degree. You well, know? Here's the argument Brendan, Brendan and I made. If, is, if Iowa is offering you a scholarship, that means you're good enough to play at somewhere else where you, you're not going to be uncomfortable. You know what I'm saying? You can go somewhere where a coach yeah. may may be more in line with your political beliefs. So if, if Iowa has offered you, that means you probably can go play. You can go play at uh, North Carolina A&T, obviously. You can go play at somewhere where a coach, even in the P5 level, you can find a coach who you believe in, who, who his beliefs align with yours. Or maybe the campus is a little bit more, makes you makes you feel a little bit more comfortable because the campus is a little bit more, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? Uh, forward thinking, I guess. I don't know. But yeah, you can, you can find somewhere else to play. If you, if you, if you feel like that one school doesn't allow your release or something makes you uncomfortable about that, that campus or that culture. Yeah. That. I think a lot of athletes maybe up until maybe this moment in time have just sort of felt like to some degree, like, you know what, I'm just going to 
go there and suck it up and 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 get to the next level and that's that and and I think they're realizing now they don't, they don't have to do that um, and so I think that's a really interesting thing too I mean we're seeing what's happening at Texas as well those guys are saying I don't know what the latest is on Texas where they're saying they don't they're not going to play unless certain you know demands are met but I haven't heard I haven't heard an update on Texas with that. I actually, and it's interesting because I had Jasmine Fritz on a couple weeks ago and we were talking about what Tom Furman's statement said. And, and she felt like that statement was as good as any, you know, certainly from a, a, a coach that she'd seen because he actually addressed some of the realities of the fact that, you know, yeah, you cheer for this guy on Saturday, but would you let him date your daughter? Yeah, I you agree. Know? That was a great <laughs> statement. I hadn't seen it. Uh, one of my friends brought it to my attention and I was like, you know what? I will let my son play for Tom Furman. Yeah. And I'm sure he's taking some of the concerns from some of the guys on the team seriously. I know at least one guy said he just doesn't feel comfortable playing. And I understand that. I mean, we're seeing some professional players say that as well and just say they don't feel right right now doing that when there's work to be done and, and that they can use their influence and their voice, um, you know, in the movement and in this moment that we're in right now to really capitalize on it and not let this moment go by with nothing changing, you know? Yeah. And I think that's a big key for all of us as well, by the way, <laughs> like to just, uh, what's the phrase the kids say, keep that same energy, keep, you know? same energy. <laughs> <laughs> keep that same energy. Cause, uh, this, this problem existed long before right now. And then if we don't do anything about it, it'll continue to exist, um, a long time after now. And we've got a chance right now when we have some of the public consciousness to, do something. So it'll be interesting to see because that, that's always been a fascinating dynamic to me of like, okay. And coaches are so authoritarian, right? I, I wrote about this a little bit also in my mailbag where it's like coaches do build this paternalistic culture where it's like they know best and they have these rules and they insist that everything is out of love and to better the guys on their team. And, and But sometimes I think um, those rules, a lot of times unintentionally are, are kind of aimed at, at black players, you know, like no earrings, no, you know, have to have your hair a certain way. You have to have, you have to dress a certain way. And a lot of times it's sort of aimed at, aimed at black players, even if the coach had no idea that that's what they were doing. Right. You know, yeah. so. It's, it's, it's a little, it can be code sometimes, but I, I think most coaches have good intentions. Like you said, it's kind of alienating a certain, a certain demographic in your locker room. Yeah. I mean, and I, and I get that. So it's, it'll be interesting to see how this, continues to develop and um it's this this it can't we can't stop here so you know we're gonna keep talking about it i mean i'm it's weird is it weird to say like i was furious i was so mad at davos when he like a week ago and now i'm like you know what i'm 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 starting to become a little proud of you davo like i feel like you're learning you know i feel you can't stay stay mad at davo too long well, it's just, you know, you hear about he's had like hour and a half long conversations with like his current and former players. I know Taj Boyd said he talked to him for an hour and a half on FaceTime after the shirt, the Football Matters shirt. Like, and you're like, okay, you know what? He's listening and yeah. he cares. That's all, and you, that's all you ask for the coaches. Just listen, listen to, to, to the concerns and listen to the voices in your locker room and grow from it and move forward. Even though, you know, I don't believe Gundy for a second. I think Gundy's putting on a good Oscar worthy performance. I don't, I, I don't know. He, he I can't. I can't buy his his whole videos he's done the last couple of weeks. Well, yeah. Somebody asked me in the mailbag actually what. That's why I talked about some of the paternalistic culture that's sometimes even a little authoritarian from football coaches because they want so much control. Um, you know, I also the the question that the guy had asked me was, you know, I think this was the first video, and they were like, it looked like a hostage video with Chuba and Mike Gundy in it, 
Chubba looked like a hostage or something. And like, right. and he's like, our athletes losing leverage now. And I was like, I don't think so, you know, and I, and I, you know, sort of explained some of why, but, um, you know, and I said, to be fair, the second Gundy video where at least he att- attempted to make an unqualified apology because he didn't even apologize in the first one. Right. Um, he said some of the more correct things in the second video, but, um, still, I don't, I don't think they're losing their leverage because at the end of the day, these schools need these players. So like, that's reality. I, oh, no, y'all definitely. Can, definitely. You know, I told, I told can... a player last week, um, in a, in a, in a private conversation, I was like, you guys have the power. Just never forget that. Like you guys have all of the power and just remember mm-hmm. that. And yeah, that's, that's, that's always been the case. And I think they're realizing it now. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, well, I did say we, we, we said we would end on a lighter note. Um, no pun intended for one of the staples of my kitchen, which is actually uh, Duke's light mayonnaise. Um, <laughs> I was actually like super thrilled to see because for me, when the Belk Bowl was no more, I wanted to see the, the Belk Bowl renamed with a truly Southern sponsorship, right? Um, and I know mayonnaise can be polarizing, <laughs> which just sounds insane to say. After everything we've just been talking about, but <laughs> um, I am a look. I'm a mayonnaise. I'm a mayonnaise person. Um, we I had a dicey moment early in my relationship with my now husband when I was in college, where I <laughs> I don't I don't want to tell you this because I feel like you're going to judge me, but I told him like you know one of those like small things of mayonnaise, like the tiniest jar of mayonnaise you can get. Okay. I was like, I could eat a whole one of those. Ew. <laughs> and he was like, I have questions about our relationship right now. <laughs> like, he doesn't mind mayonnaise, but he doesn't like it in large quantities. Like, if we go get a burger, he'll say, like, no, nothing on it. And then he'll go add his own mayonnaise to it. Um, partially because we both like Dukes the best. Um, that's the only mayonnaise I, I get with um, is the Dukes. But, Yeah. The Duke's Mayonnaise Bowl. The Belk Bowl is now the Duke's Mayonnaise Bowl. And of course they had Luke Keekley, because who better to represent mayonnaise? <laughs> <laughs> making a, making um a by the way, this is still a Southern staple, like it or not. Right? Like the, the white bread, tomato, mayonnaise, and a little bit of salt sandwich. It's disgusting. <laughs> so you've never had mayonnaise in anything. Or no. you don't like mayonnaise? No, no. I, that's, uh, let me clear it up with the listeners here. I eat like chicken salad, so that has mayonnaise in it. I'll, I'll, it I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll, um, I'll power my way through that. But like on a sandwich, absolutely not. Absolutely okay. not. Like, so you would even you would even potentially have a cake that's like made with may. Like I hear like cakes made with mayonnaise are really good. I haven't tried what, it yet, but I- what kind of what? <laughs> Instead of butter, apparently, like it's really good. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. <laughs> if, if someone gave me a cake and later told me they had mayonnaise in it instead of butter, I would call the police. Like, absolutely even know. not. It's, so it's, it's not the texture. It is the texture. Okay. It's the texture. It's the smell. It's everything. So I got a, I got a sandwich one day at work at a, at a a sandwich shop next to our building, and I brought it back to my office, and I realized I had mayonnaise on it, and I was like, nope, I'm taking it back. And my coworkers were like. You just wipe it off. I was like, I can't wipe it off. I know that it's been there. And even if I got 98% of it off, I still know that it might be 2% of mayonnaise on it. And I just, I can't do it. To be fair to you, I am this way with mustard and with pickles. Like, what? 
yeah, I hate pickles. And like, if I get a Chick-fil-A sandwich that like those pre-made sandwiches at the football games, half the time they already have like the pickle on them. I just won't eat it. Cause I'm I like, love, I love pickles. Oh, I think pickles are disgusting. And okay. I like, and, and you can't, but that's the thing. You can't undo that. The presence of that on your sandwich. Mm-hmm. Nope. You know and, what I mean? And as we talked about earlier, my wife loves it. And yeah. Like, she, I'm, I'm looking at her right now and she'll, she'll ask me to make her a sandwich. I'm like, Nope, you want me to put mayonnaise on it. And every now and then I'll power through and, and do it. But every time I do it, my face is all, Ugh, I'm making that like disgusting face as I'm making a sandwich. But yeah, it was almost a deal breaker for us early on. No. <laughs> and I'm joking. Like, hey, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> it's just, it's the, the Twitter food police always cracks me up though. Like in general, because people, sometimes people just like what they like, you know, or don't like what they don't like. And like, for some reason, ketchup has gotten caught up in this too, which I don't understand. You like ketchup? Oh, I love it. Like that's that's my mayonnaise. Like I, I'll get extra packs of ketchup whenever wherever I go. I go to Chick Fil A or any burger place. Yeah. Like, give me extra ketchup. Yeah, and, the, and like particularly ketchup gets slandered on a hot dog, and I'm like, why? That's why? Yeah. I don't get it. So it's like the weird things that like the Twitter food the the Twitter food hills people die on. I feel like mayonnaise is definitely one of those that a lot of people don't like, but also ketchup, and I don't understand. Yeah, I was um, I went um. We went on our cruise for our honeymoon and they had this place to get hot dogs. And I went to like a stand and I was putting ketchup on my hot dog. And the guy from behind me, I guess he must have been from Chicago. He's like, yeah, we don't put ketchup on our hot dogs. I was like, dude, what? Keep walking. Like, that's that's ridiculous. But yeah, I don't, I don't get that. I don't get the slander for ketchup on hot dogs. Yeah. Like, I, what else are you going to put on a hot dog? I mean, seeing as I don't like mustard, right? You know. Right. <laughs> I'm already envisioning... Uh, Nada, who puts these together for me, listening to this and judging me for at least one of those food, food takes. I don't know which one. Um, <laughs> Nada not only does that for me, but he's also like my food sherpa, guiding me through as I try to like cook in my kitchen um, and try to do like very basic things. <laughs> I'm like, hey, how do I do this? And he'll tell me. Um, and it's been a big help, actually. But he does judge me for my food opinions, which is fine. Um, yeah. But I, yeah, people just like what they like, man. You know, yeah, I would okay. never, I would never forgive anybody for putting mayonnaise on a cake. Though I don't care who it was. Interesting. I still have to try it because I'm curious. But um, no, it's a weird cultural thing for my husband too because, like, he's Puerto Rican and they do mayo ketchup on things. Like, they literally sell that in the Hispanic stores, like the mayo ketchup mix. Ugh. They put that on so many things. But for some reason, for him, if it's like just mayonnaise by itself, he has to have it in very small quantities. But he can have it if it's like mixed with other stuff or like not that much. But yeah, I guess everybody has their degree of mayonnaise tolerance. Um, <laughs> and, and for me, even though I know it aligns with every stereotype, I do love mayonnaise. <laughs> but Dukes, I, I, I like I am a brand exclusive person. Uh, you know Taylor Adams, who works at NC State. Yeah. He and I were having a conversation about mayonnaise, and he referenced. He sent me a clip. Uh, from the movie Undercover Brother with Eddie Griffin. So, yeah, okay, but, so you've seen it. So you know, you know exactly what I'm talking oh, about. Yeah, I'm <laughs> yes. okay, having to like, yeah, go undercover white and have to manage. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. Um, all right, Jonas. Well, I couldn't end without doing the Belt Bowl announcement, and then of course Belt Bowl now Duke's mayonnaise bowl. Duke's got to make that bowl. They have to. Like, they have to. Yeah. Cause then yeah, it's the Duke's Duke's mayonnaise bowl, but um, yeah, I had to get your Mayo reaction. Cause I'm sure people, um, I'm sure many people feel like you do judging by Twitter, but 
Um, all right. Thank you. So tell everybody where they can find you again, find your work. Uh, obviously, newsandobserver.com. Not as much sports work these days. A lot of protests and COVID stories, but it's okay. I, I sneak some sports stories in there every now and then. Um, also on Twitter, J.E. Pope, the fourth, uh, capital J, capital E, capital P, O-P-E, capital I, capital V. And then on Instagram, just my name, Jonas Pope, the fourth. All right. Well, we'll have to do this again sometime. This was awesome. Uh, until next week, everybody. 